You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. Socks in the basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. And this is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the commercial at the beginning of the show. Remember, if you call them up or if you go on their website, familydry.com, and you mention socks in the basement, you get money off your deal. They handle everything. I'm talking sump pumps and window wells to seepage and water coming in, to issues with your water drainage outside of your house or concrete going in all kinds of weird directions, like, you know, a teenager's teeth before you find out you have to get them braces. That's what they do. They get in there and they make it better, and they do it at a great price. They cover all of northern Illinois and northwest Indiana, familydry.com. That said, I wish they could fix hamstrings. I wish they could find a way Ah. to make it safer to run from home plate to first base. With Nick Madrigal down, my friend, there are three starters on this team that are out. And I think Madrigal's done for the year. This whole hope that he's going to come back. Look, if there's three attachments from one part of his body to another part, three tendons there, and one is completely snapped and the other one's hanging on by a thread, don't ruin the kid. Give him the season-ending surgery, and let's come back strong next year. that That's how where I'm at in the whole thing. I've already moved on from this. Like, it's sad, but he's hurt. And rushing him back at this point seems futile. Instead, look internally or look externally in a trade and move forward. We've got a good team here. We don't want to waste this season. Well, and it's a huge world of difference if you're talking about, say, Jose Abreu. If he had torn his hamstring the way Madrigal tore his, you could make the case that somebody like Abreu could come back, he could DH, maybe he's not going to be as flexible at first, maybe there's going to be some mobility issues over there. But Nick Madrigal's entire game, not his entire game, but a lot of his game is based on his ability to move. At second base, he's got to be able to get to the ball. He's a runner. He is a guy who his power is derived from speed, not from actual power. So what you'd be asking him to do is come back, be this sort of statue version of himself where, yeah, he's still going to foul a lot of balls off. He's still going to make a lot of contact, but it's going to be limited to singles. He's not going to get these hustle doubles. He's going to be very limited at second base. And the biggest problem is is that he's not going to take it easy on himself and he's going to get hurt again. That's the thing that I would worry about. And now you maybe get him back for a couple of weeks and then you lose him again perhaps for a good chunk of next year. Yeah, I don't want that. No. Look, I, I want to win this year. Make no mistake about it. We're going to talk today about when your back is to the wall as a team, some of these little things that you've been you've been getting away with when it comes to your lineup or personal catchers for some of your pitcher, these things have to go away now because I know we're up and I know we have the biggest lead amongst all teams in any division, but the Indians will catch us if we just say, We're going to keep going, next man up, move on. If we don't actually kind of tighten things up a little bit here as a team, I'm afraid this team will eventually get caught and fall in the second place. And this season that is so promising will not end the way that we want it to end. 
I'm not giving up on this season. I'd be angry if the White Sox gave up on this season. There is so much talent on this team. There is so much this team can do. And I still believe you have Robert coming back and whatever version of Jimenez you're going to get. But it is now time for the Chicago White Sox to go out and make a trade. Now, before we get to the different possibilities, I want to talk about what they have right now, Ed. Because I sat down and updated some of the numbers that we look at, especially with splits, with OPS. Remember, that is your average that is also getting on base, that is also getting extra base hits. Yeah, it's your slugging percentage, your on-base percentage combined, mashed into one big old number. Right. When, when Yasmani Grandal has a terrible average, but sits currently second in OPS against lefties, and one of the top OPS guys on the entire team, that's why he's valuable. So looking at OPS for this team, and looking at you know, not only their career numbers, but their 2019, 2020, and now this sample size of 2021, we can come to an awful lot of conclusions here. And I'm going to give you my best lineup versus left-handed pitching, my best lineup versus right-handed pitching, and I'm going to explain it to you. All right? Okay. All right. We can do that. First of all, lefties and righties, guys that are always in the lineup, they're the best option. Okay, now they're going to have to sit every once in a while when they're not feeling well or they need a day off. Well, and that's that's the key here is is what you're talking about is you're talking about the lineup that's going to be in there. Let's say if this were to be the start of the season, you're talking about the lineup that's probably in there 145 to 150 games together. Right. And the other the remaining is where one or two of those guys is sitting down. You've got somebody else that's in. It's the old Ozzie Gee and Sunday lineup, you know, when he would run all the scrubs out there for one game. But for the most part, this lineup is going to be what you would expect to see on an average night. If you didn't know what the lineup was going into the ballpark and you looked up at the scoreboard, this is this is the one you would bet that you would see. Looking at your most pro- productive guys, at catcher versus lefties and righties, always Grandal, always Abreu at first base, always Moncada at third, always Anderson at short, always Mercedes at DH. And there's another one in here I'm going to get to in a moment, which is a surprise. Always one other player. Now, I'm not, I don't want you guessing. We're going to get to it. Okay. All right? Because my guess would not have been good. And we're talking about guys on the current roster that are available right now. Yeah, nobody who's injured, nobody right. in AAA. That said, oh, no, no. And there's another one, too. Adam Engel always in the outfield. Center field. Okay, yeah. Center field likely, but always in the outfield. Always out, well, I think if Engel's out there right now without Robert in... Engels in center field. Tony LaRusso has already got a center fielder for Saturday's game that is not called Adam Engel because he's going to go take Goodwin, who okay. just came up from AAA, and he's going to put him in center field. So I'm saying Engel at least in the outfield. Right. Whatever Tony right. does, Engel at least in the outfield. I think he should be in center field, but whatever. You know what? Here, here I will say this about putting Goodwin in center, giving Engel one of the corner outfield spots. It's a little less running for Engel. He is still coming back from a hammy. Let's, you know... Fine. That's, that's the equivalent of getting Adam Mangle a break. Let's first talk about the guys that we know should be in the lineup all the time. And I want to talk specifically about Yasmani Grandal right now. Because on Friday night, the White Sox started Zach Collins once again against a left-handed starting pitcher. And this is a real issue for me. And I posted that this is one of the few times that you can get upset as a fan about a lineup. I don't want to argue about every lineup I don't want to criticize everything that Tony does. I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the manager. He's pulled an awful lot of the right levers. 
He's not Ricky Renneria, for God's sake. Uh, yes. Uh, Ricky Renneria is always paint by right. numbers. He drove me nuts. But Yasmani Grandal should hit every single time there's a left-handed pitcher starting a game, no matter what, unless he is injured. And I contend he should be catching in those instances. I'm not saying put him at DH over Mercedes. I'm saying Collins should never see a left-handed starting pitcher. And here is the difference. The difference between these two guys is, would you rather get a 1.065 OPS all the time against left-handed pitchers, and no matter which one of them starts against righties, the worst you would have right now from one of them is a 7.23 OPS against righties. Now, would you rather have that at catcher, or would you rather have the highest you can get against righties is a 7.53 OPS? But every once in a while, because you put Zach Collins in against a lefty, the OPS you're getting at your catcher position is 394. To give you an idea of what a 394 OPS is, if you're not familiar. It's really bad. If Chris or I went out there and hit for a week as part of the lineup. I could probably do 394. We could probably get 394. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, on a good day, after a couple of beers, I might be able to do it. And my left hand has been surgically (laughs) repaired, and my right hand is almost non-existent (laughs) physically. So I, you know... 394, I mean, that is, bad. That, that is literally Zach Collins walking every once and in a while. And he had a double on Friday night, and immediately people would be like, see, see, I don't care about his double. I'm talking about the long haul of the season. It's wrong. What? And, and, and here's the thing. The arguments that I got immediately when I posted this after the lineup yeah. aggravated me because there were two. <laughs> I bet. There were two general arguments, even in the face of those statistics, for Grandal not being out there catching Let me against guess. the lefty. Average? Well, no, no, no. They didn't even get to average. Oh, no, wow, no, no. wow! That surprised was, me because I maybe that's where he's worn out and he needs a day off. Okay, uh-huh. well, well, let's get to that first one before I tell you the second one. Okay. If I can look at my fantasy baseball team, forty-five minutes a day, where nobody's paying me to do it and I'm doing it for fun, and I can look at pitching probables three weeks in advance and figure out two-star pitchers and look at matchups for players to figure out which guys should be playing where. Somebody who's getting paid a ridiculous amount of money to figure out in advance when guys are getting rest for the White Sox should be able to do the exact same thing. So that argument is invalid because you know who's coming up. You know how you can plan out the rest for Grandal on his knees. He should never, ever be on the bench against a left-handed starting pitcher. No, the only way that that argument would ever, 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 ever have merit is if you had something like a an extra inning game the night before where Grandal went longer than you would expect or if you had back-to-back-to-back lefties. Like, let's say you just you just hit lefties and this is the fourth game in a row against a lefty starter. At some point, you could make the argument that's got to get, but that's not what happened this week. No. So that's why that argument does not have merit for this particular no, it instance. Has, it has no merit in there. And then the other argument that I got was, well, Lucas Giolito prefers Zach Collins. Now, I, I want to I put this right in front of what I'm going to say because I know there are members of the White Sox who listen to this podcast. And at yes. some point, what I'm going to say here is going to get back to Lucas Giolito. So I want to make sure that he hears what I'm going to say here first. Lucas, I don't believe that you are doing this. I can't believe that you would be saying, well, I insist on Zach Collins no matter what pitcher's on the mound for the other team because that's the only guy I want to throw to. Because you're an ace. 
you claim that you are an ace on this team. You're shooting commercials about your miraculous turnaround. You're not signing an extension right now because of the amount of value you perceive yourself to have. So there's no way you're doing this. And I'll explain why. If you were doing this, you would be putting yourself in front of your entire team right now. Because your team, with Madrigal and Robert and Jimenez down, needs the best lineup possible out there. And forcing this lineup with a guy who's got an OPS under 400 out there instead of a guy that's got an OPS over 1,000 out there because you prefer one guy's glove over the other is, in, is just completely selfish and wrong. We don't, have, we don't have the ability to do this anymore. We, we are in trouble as, as a team. This team is in trouble due to injuries. You don't have the luxury now to say, I prefer this guy and I'll give up some offense because I'm going to make it up. Especially because most of the time, you're 90-some pitches to 100 pitches in before you get through the sixth inning. So it isn't like Zach Collins made you a, a better pitcher that went into the eighth and ninth inning of your game on Friday night, did he? So I don't see where the benefit is. So I can't imagine that Lucas Giolito is, is insisting on Zach Collins. Because if he were doing that, he would be putting himself in front of the other 25 men out there. Because it's bad for the team for him to do that. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Let's talk about these other guys that we would put in there to make the best possible lineup because we need to make sure that our lineup is tight now with three starters down. Right. The lineup has to be tight. And not just starters. Let's face it. These are three star players. High-end players. These are three of their best. I know two of them were rookies, but like, you know, Mandrigal and Robert were essential to this team. The yearbook that the White Sox put out says New Year, same mentality. They could rewrite this now as New Year, same guys. Because, <laughs> because like a lot Rinse of the things. repeat, change yeah, the game. A lot, of, a lot of the things that you thought were going to be big improvements, which was going to be the the next step for Robert and Madrigal finally getting a full season, that's gone right now. And so you're, you're actually worse as an offense than what you were in 2020. Your pitching is better. Your starting pitching is better. Yes. Your bullpen has dipped but could come back to what it was by the time the year ends. And the bullpen's not terrible no. by, by any means, but no. it's just not what it was last year. No, and but your your offense is down. Your well, off- the, the offense is, is just going to continue to slide unless some guys step up. I, somebody's got to take these you know their places. And I think Engel's going to come back and help, but he is not what Luis Robert could have been. Okay, so here, here's what I'm going to tell you. Andrew Vaughn has a 1070 OPS against lefties and a 529 against righties. You know what I would do? I'd take a guy with a 799 against righties by the name of Jake Lamb 
and he'd be going up against righties most of the time. Vaughn would always be against a lefty, and if you want to put Vaughn in every once in a while against a righty because you want to develop him, fine. But that's what I'd be doing going forward in left field. Where, you know where I would what I would do with Vaughn and Lamb, honestly, is I would it would be somewhat park specific. So they're up in Comerica, right? They're up in Detroit. It's a very spacious park. Jake right. Lamb is going to be eaten alive playing in the outfield. At there. that point, you don't care with Andrew Vaughn. Put him out in both. Put put Andrew Vaughn out there because he is. And did you think he'd be saying this in spring training? Andrew Vaughn is a really good outfielder, and he needs to be out there defensively. You know, in, yeah. in certain parks. Yeah. Um. But that would be my concern with Lamb is is that he's Doctor Strange Glove out there right now. He he's he's really a DH, but he was a third baseman, but he was never very good at it. We saw him at first; that was a disaster. So him in the outfield is, yeah. But I think you can get away with it in certain places, and I think you can get away with it at home with Lamb. All right, so now I'm going to describe a player for you who has a 336 OPS against lefties in 2020 and a 332 against lefties in 2021 so far, whose righty versus a right-handed pitcher OPS is a 768, which is now dipped to a 721, making him basically an average replacement level player against right-handed pitching. And meanwhile, there's another guy. There's another guy who's got career numbers and in his last full season of 2019, where he's hovering around 800. His career number against lefties is 790, but in 2019 it was 815. And then against righties, 790. And you just call them up. And I'm saying right now, Brian Goodwin is better than Adam Eaton on both sides of the plate if he does anything close to his career numbers or his last full season of 2019. And if Adam Eaton doesn't get it together, he gone. As the great Hawkeroo used to say, if Brian Goodwin gets a chance out there and starts hitting, bye-bye, Spanky. Oh, yeah. At this point, you made a point a couple weeks ago when we were hitting Memorial Day, right? And you said that you and your dad had talked about it, and your dad's adage was, by Memorial Day, a player is what he is, okay? Adam Eaton, at this point, you cannot look back at what he was. You can't look at what they hoped he would be. What you can look at is you can look at a guy who has aged poorly, you can look at a guy who maybe he is battling injuries. I know I've seen that bandied about a little bit. But frankly, Adam Eaton may be done. He may not be able to hack it as an everyday major league outfielder. And I'm not saying that, you know, it, it was a mistake to sign him. I'm not saying that he can't get better or turn it back around or be useful on this team. But he is what he is. And he's he is, dogging plays. He's not. He's the, dogging it on the base paths. He's either seriously injured and they're hiding it from us or he's dogging it. Right. And that's what I mean. He is not. He is not the Spanky from his first go-around with the White Sox. He is an, he is an elderly version of it, and, or something is up there. But whatever he is, he's not producing, and he is not the guy that you thought he was going to be. Brian Goodwin's not a terrible player. Brian Goodwin had... Brian Goodwin could be playing against lefties and righties every day right now yeah. for you, and it would be an upgrade over Adam Eaton in 2020 and currently in 2021. He'd yeah. be an upgrade right now. And he wasn't even good enough to make the Pittsburgh Pirates, and somebody explain that to me. Well... Okay? Look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, <laughs> like, I mean, Adam you know, Eaton, what does call, it say to Adam Eaton? Is Adam Eaton an eventual Pittsburgh Pirate to finish off his career? Because that's kind of how I feel right now, because right now Goodwin might take his job. I don't want to run out of time here because I want to get into what we're going to trade Adam Eaton for Adam Frazier. <laughs> we're going to get to an Adam to Adam. Trade. We're going to get to Adam Frazier as a target. Let's get to second base because it has been suggested. Oh, really? Shall we? That Larry Garcia is going to get a majority of, uh, of games at second. And I, I, I think it's more than suggested. I, I would say that that's a massive mistake. Against right-handed pitching, Leary Garcia 
This year has a 613 OPS. Against righties, he has a 663 in 2020, a 642 in 2019, and a 624 for his career. He is a below-average bad hitter against right-handed pitching. But Danny Mendick has a 734. He's pretty much 100 points higher. Then he's over 100 points higher than Garcia for his career. He's 734 this year. In 2019, when Danny Menda came up, a 1028 OPS against right-handed hitting. I would say Danny Menda should be on the right side. And then I would now tell you, okay, fine. If you want to put Garcia out there against lefties, maybe because in 2020, he went out there and he had a 1375 in limited advance against lefties. He had a high OPS. He had a 786 in 2019. He's not doing very well this year, but maybe he's good against lefties. I would also point, though, to Jake Berger down in AAA with a 1206 against left-handed pitching and ask you this. When push comes to shove, if you can't make a trade in two weeks, why not just bring this kid up and let him platoon against lefties and put Man- Mendick against righties and DFA Eaton after Goodwin takes his job? I'm getting bold now, buddy, because guess what? <laughs> I'm telling you, I know I'm not this this lead that we have is fragile with the amount of injuries we have, and it's time for a bloodletting. If you can't keep up with this ship, get off the ship. There's other guys that can get on and help us steer this thing to a division championship and get us to the point where we have Jimenez and Robert back. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. I was looking at something earlier today, too, and, and, and I was kind of surprised by this, but not really surprised because of the eyeball test, okay? Larry Garcia is a really bad second baseman, as it turns out. When you yeah, look at, he is. When you look at his defense. I've been saying this for years. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. No, you're not crazy. The metrics actually bear it out. If you look at all the positions he plays, he's above average in the outfield, believe it or not. Which is weird because he always looks like he's taking a bad line to the ball that recovers. But I think it's because he's fast enough to recover. He doesn't, he doesn't have errors and he's got range because he is fast. Right. He is about average to slightly above average at short for his career. He's not a bad third baseman, but he's very limited. But he's played a lot at second base, and he is actually metrically below average in runs prevented and in in his range scores. He's just not good at second base. So we need a second baseman, right? But so Dan- where do we get a second baseman? Which second base? You wrote an article. I did on mismatched socks. Okay, you can get that at socksandbasement.com and then just click on mismatched socks. The link is also in the show notes for every episode of Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at socksandbasement.com. Who is your number one target? Is it who I have targeted? Is it who everybody's assuming that we should go get? And that is Adam Frazier? Well, Adam Frazier, I think, is the... He makes he makes a lot of sense for a couple of reasons. Because he's attainable, first of all. Because I keep seeing, like, well, go get Keto Marte. 
They're not gonna. No, the Diamondbacks no, aren't no, giving no. up a 27 year old that can play the center field and second base. They're not doing that. No, and here's the thing, and I point this out, okay? The Sox don't have the laundry list of prospects that you think they have because the rebuild is on the field or on the injured list, unfortunately, yeah. at the major league level. So don't talk about Trevor's story. I know he's a rental. I know he's, you know, the, the Rockies are, are going to be hard pressed to resign him and all that stuff. But the Rockies are not giving him away for a bag of parts. And that's kind of what the Sox have left at AAA and AA. No, no, it's not impossible. I'm going to say this right now. It's not impossible. No, but great GMs impossible. find a way to make that move. And I'm not saying that Rick Hahn can't be great, but with all the other voices that are around him and his track record to date, I don't know if he could pull off a deal like that. Well, also think about you, you know, with somebody like Story, you got to think about the metrics to the, not, not, with somebody like Story, you got to think about the optics too, okay? That Arenado trade played so poorly in Colorado that there was a bloodletting in the front office after the season started. They're not giving Charlie Blackman or Trevor Story away for anything less than something that the fans can look at and get excited. Now, I did target at least one Rocky, uh, you know, in the article, but it's Garrett Hampson, who's a young guy who is a speedster and and a guy that maybe you can get because you're basically going to be trading one guy for yeah, a couple but of. But he's not Adam guys. Frazier. Let's let's he's just talk. Can we just talk about Adam because I think Adam's the guy and I think Adam he's attainable. Guy I think you can get Adam Frazier. I, Adam Frazier's the guy because the Pirates have guys coming up behind him to either take the outfield spots or the infield they spots. They shopped him in the offseason. And they shopped him in the offseason. Here's the thing. I'm he's also, give a, he's yeah. also $4.3 million this year. He's under club control for only one more year, which means he's not a long-term commitment for the Sox, which I think is important for them to not necessarily make a long-term commitment. And you can just not pick him up, too. And you can just not pick him up. Right. And... He plays second base for the rest of this year. Nick Madrigal comes back next year. He's healthy. Guess where Adam Frazier's playing? Right field. Right field. Or he's gone because you're not he's tied gone. him. He's, he's basically, you're not tied Adam Frazier. he's just a bench piece. He's, right. he's, he's next year's Jake Lamb. So, so here's the thing. I had a friend of mine about a year, year and a half after Sacks in the Basement came out who writes about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I used to do radio for a timeout in that area. And I'm familiar with Pittsburgh. And he came to me and he said, I would love to do something like what you're doing with Sox in a Basement, but I don't know how to do it. And I said, I would help him. So even though I don't know very much about the Pirates, and I don't even watch the Pirates probably until about, like I look up what's been going on that week in the Pirates about an hour before we record. Hold on, I don't want to spoil this, but is this guy's name Adam Frazier? No, okay. no, it's not with Adam Frazier. But it's with a gentleman by the name of Craig Toth, and his show is called Bucks in the Basement. Oh, I knew that. (laughs) And I go on this show just to basically be the person he sounds off on and kind of talks about the team because I can at least talk baseball with him. And I now, talking with all these people in the Pittsburgh press over the last year, am very, very familiar, not only with Adam Frazier, but with the Pirates front office, just by being a fly on the wall. And, And let me tell you something. They shopped Adam Frazier, and they're not looking for a high end prospect for Adam Frazier. That they actually don't think they can get anything for Adam Frazier. They just want to get him out of the way. And the best case scenario is what he, he did, what he's doing now. He's having a career year right now, and he might fall off in the back end. Who knows? Oh, he's going to regress from where he's at. Oh, now. yeah. He's but, hitting over, he's 320, uh, gosh, 328. He's got the like highest that. OPS and highest average of all second basemen eligible for the All-Star yeah. game. He should be the starting second baseman for the National League 
in a white Sox uniform. Yeah, he should be wearing a white Sox uniform when it happens. I don't think they do that. No, they don't do that, but that would be fantastic. Wouldn't <laughs> but yeah, wouldn't it be amazing? Okay, but they want to get rid of him, and they're not looking for quality. They're looking for quantity. Ben Charrington took over as GM, and it is obvious over the last year or so that they are going to become the next Tampa Bay Rays. They have a very cheap owner. They have no income. And they are going out there right now and trying to get multiple pieces. You could trade right now. I'm telling you this right now. Mike Rodolfo, an outfielder, or Luis Gonzalez, an outfielder. Maybe both. Who knows? But you could trade these guys who are likely, at best, a bench piece for the Chicago White Sox team. Adolfo is out of options. Unless he makes the White Sox next year. He's done. He's done. And he's not going to make the White Sox if things are done right. So you're going to lose him anyway. And you could deal these guys and then get rid of a guy like Tyler Johnson or a lower-end guy. or Ronaldo Lopez. Thank you. And they will take multiple guys that they think they can fix and that they can hold on to for a while or they can flip because they're running an organization like the Rays. So don't think you're giving away your top three prospects in this deal. This is a team that is actually going to go for quantity over quality. Every deal they've made since they started their rebuild in the last year has been that way. Frazier is completely attainable if the White Sox want to go out and make a move. And that's why if the Sox don't go make a move, you have to stare at Rick on and just be like, what are you doing at this point? I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I know it takes some time to do these things, but you got to be on the line right now working this out immediately because now is the time to hold on to your lead. You don't want to be chasing to get it back after you lose it in a week or two. Well, frankly, Rick Hahn should have been making these, you know, these inquiries. A month ago. A month ago. We should have made a trade for an outfielder a month ago. Oh, I'm not even worried about making a trade a month ago. But he needs to he needs to have Ben Sherrington's ear and, and have ideas of what the guy is looking for or have an idea of what Sherrington likes yeah. in the White Sox organization. Send him a bottle of whiskey. Okay, send 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 him send him like you know a jelly of the month club. Yeah, it's get, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, right, all get, you know, throw something his way. Yeah, be his friend. This guy this guy is going to well, take your 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 mid range prospects that you're not sure if they're ever going to pan out because he sees them as gold right now. Well, and and what you're also looking at there is you, is you're you're talking about not getting yourself into a bidding war. Okay, because this is going to happen to other teams. Do so- it now. The Sox have been unlucky with three-star players. But imagine what happens if in Tampa you start having the same problem where guys are pulling hamstrings and now they need an outfielder. Do you think they're going to hesitate? Oh, God, that's a whole other show. You get rid of Herm Schneider and all of a sudden nobody can run from home the first? Well, Somebody's I mean, head's got to roll at the end of the year for you know this, what, though, doesn't, it, doesn't it? No, no, because it's not just the Sox. It, 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 is, it is legitimately happening to a lot of teams. I don't know. Hermie never had this problem. Well, yeah, I, that's true. I mean, he might have walked out there looking like he never worked out a day in his life, but he sure knew how to tell other people how to work out. I had a theory that he actually had more guys in there with him. <laughs> like underneath his shirt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it takes a team. It takes a That's village, why he right? did such a good job. Yeah, Herb exactly. was actually four people. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, th- these things make sense if you don't give them too much thought, but... Um, but no, I actually, I went and looked, I just to see, I went on the MLB.com transactions page and I just, April, May, and June. And I just did a, a search for the word hamstring 67 times. It popped up between basically two months and two weeks. That's 67 players that had the word hamstring mentioned Man, as they were put on the IL. If the pandemic did that to major league baseball players, 
Imagine what happens when the beer league softball teams come back this summer after the pandemic. There will be amputations <laughs> on the field. It'll be like a Civil War battlefield it's out gonna, there. Exactly. <laughs> At the park. <laughs> My dearest Mona, I was playing shortstop <laughs> when Reggie hit me a ball. <laughs> I bent over ever so gently to scoop up said ball as it was merely a dribbler. However, I will never walk again. Unfortunately, my leg was also barbecued, <laughs> as we were quite drunk at the time and somebody thought it was a really big pork loin. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.